0: Presented by Pirelli Tires Guts Racing Plum Creek Funding Pro Glow Wash Works Connection Bass Foundry TL Speed Shop Grandstone Boots and Fly Racing Stay there till forced sound Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast It's Tuesday edition It is March 14th 2023 and last saturday we were in indianapolis well i say we maybe it's the royal we. i was there i'm sure at least one or two of you listening were there uh most of you are probably watching it on peacock or television or however you get your supercross content but let me tell you uh indy was packed i don't think it was sold out you hear that time that phrase thrown around all the time and it's not true right it's uh Definitely a little bit hyperbolic, but it was really, really uh, busy. They did a really good job of selling tickets. Thank you to everyone who came out. It it makes a difference. Listen, I've been to races where there aren't many people at all. Um, I think I was at a race in Vancouver, World Supercross, where there was like 6,000 people, which is wild. And I've been to like Atlanta when we had 70,000 people. Like it sold, completely sold out. Like it's one of the only times, well, that's not true. Anaheim usually sells out. And like Salt Lake sells out, but those are, you know, 30 and 40,000. But when you're in these big football stadiums and it does sell out, it changes the atmosphere. It's louder. The fans are more engaged. You know, you could hear like Cooper Webb mention that on the podium because it is, it is noticeable. So it's really cool when we get everyone come out and uh, it just makes it feel like the sport is succeeding and people are on board. And listen, I know it's expensive. We, I I look at ticket prices and uh, it's, it, for a family to come to a supercross and spend money. And you know, the, you know, kids are going to want merchandise and all that stuff. Like it's, it's a heavy commitment. I, I totally get it. Um, but it is a great show. I think Feld does an awesome job of keeping everyone entertained. And I don't look around and see anybody not enjoying themselves. So that's what's most important. People will continue to spend their hard earned dollars if they're entertained and if they're getting a great show and the racing was awesome. If you were there, I don't know how you wouldn't have been just on the edge of your seat for that entire 450 main event because it, it absolutely delivered, right? We had a winner that wasn't expected. We had second place that wasn't expected and a battle for the lead all the way down to the last lap. It was uh, it was a great battle, great race, uh, and just everything you could ever want out of a Supercross night. Before we do talk about the racing, though, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Pirelli Tires, of course, is a title sponsor and has been since day one. Guts Racing, check out their uh, e-bike seats and seat covers. Plum Creek Funding, Uh, rates are a little tough right now. I'm not going to lie, but if you want to get some good advice, find out what your uh, best move may be, reach out to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding. Works Connection, promo code JT23. We'll save you some money over there. Get those uh, Yamaha foot peg mounts or a Pro Launch Start device. Pro Glow Wash, Ryan Humphrey and the team at Pro Action Fluids have a great product in Pro Glow Wash. Check that out. Fast Foundry, Robert Carrico, actually based here in Boise, and uh he can help big business, small business efficiency-wise. Uh if you have if you've looked around a little this week, you'll notice that uh banks are imploding, things are really difficult out there, uh interest rates are high, and that's causing all sorts of ripple effects. So if you need help or you just want some business advice, reach out to Robert at Fast Foundry and he can uh yeah, at least if nothing else, just answer some questions. International Bet MX Series used to be known as uh, Oldtimers Motocross Series. Their first event is coming up. Check that out. It's at Sandy Valley first weekend in April. We're only and I've been talking about this for a few months, and we're only a couple weeks away now. Weekend event, live music, tons of track time. Should be a really good time for everybody involved. So uh, go to oldtimersmx.com, and uh, I need to make sure that's actually the right um, <laughs> website. That would be good. Uh, but I'll, I'll circle back and I'll, I'll look while I'm recording this. But definitely a good time had by all at the international Vet and Next series. TL Speed Shop, Jason Cobb in Wickenburg, Arizona. They are a uh, destination side by side touring company. You can go to Sedona, you can go to Baja, uh, you can go to Grand Canyon. Um, all sorts of fun things to do there. I like the uh, kind of the business getaway, like team building type stuff. Um, as you know, fly racing, Western power sports have gotten a little bit more corporate. Um, I would guess I'll probably have to go on something like that down the line. And what better way to do it? Invo- you know, you'll know, you be involved in power sports. You'll be out um, you know, having some fun. And for us, we can use our own products, which is really cool. So check out TL Speed Shop. And uh, yeah, why not make your next vacation on a side-by-side? Grant Stone Boots. I got some brand new shoes that are on the way to Detroit. If you haven't seen their new sneakers, uh, I would definitely go to GrantStoneShoes.com and, and take a look. Uh, they're really, really nice, and that's, that's a big day for me because like, when I'm at the races, I can't wear boots. I walk like 10 miles, at least, on race day. I, Yeah, my I, I just couldn't wear boots in that environment, so having sneakers allows me to wear the product that I wanna wear. And for those of you who may have a little bit more of a casual work environment, maybe you can try out some Grandstone sneakers instead of their boots. The boots work great when I go to dinner. Sunday night, went to dinner and wore those, but um, yeah, if you just want something a little bit more casual, now Grant Stone has an answer for you. And last but not least, fire racing. Check out the kinetic mesh 2023.5 launched at Daytona. And summer's gonna be here before we know it. I don't it doesn't feel like it. I'm in Boise right now and it's raining and it's like 40 degrees. So summer feels very far-fetched. But I was just in Daytona and it was like 90 degrees. So uh, it is just around the corner whether we, you know, whether the recent weather wants to tell us it is or not, and you wanna be prepared when the weather turns. So check out. Kinetic Mesh 20235 at flyracing.com. So, 250 class. What did we see? Hunter Lawrence wins again. And I I was about to say he's making a mockery of the series, but he's really not. You know, they're keeping him honest. But if you followed Hunter's career, other than the last couple years, he hasn't really been that consistent. And I got into an argument with a couple people about this because last year they were like, Hunter's always been good. He's, he's always been like top three. And I'm like, no, he hasn't. Like I, I understand. And you're right. The last couple of years he has, but if you go back to like 2020 and prior, it has been an absolute mess. As far as consistency goes, go to his MX2 races in Europe. He was all over the place. Lots of good finishes, lots of bad finishes. His 2020 supercross season, exactly the same crashes, injuries. Go to 2020 motocross season exactly the same crashes injuries his shoulder was continually hurt where he was missing races had to have surgeries and in the last couple years he's kind of figured that out and he deserves a ton of credit because i don't know what the difference is you know i gave johnny O'Mara. uh i, I just was speaking with him candidly at uh arlington i just said man you guys deserve a ton of credit for what you've done with hunter because Everyone knows how good Jet is and, and you could just see it. He was gonna be great. It wasn't didn't take a lot of insight to see that. But Hunter had more questions surrounding his program and was he gonna be able to overcome this shoulder thing? And could he stay off the ground? You know, he was just crashing. That was half the problem. He just crashed all the time. And whatever they've done, I don't know if it's a technique thing or if it's a maturity thing or a bike setup thing. It, you know, it could be a combination of all those but he's really figured this out and you watch him ride. And technically he's so sound these days, you know, and I've had up close, you know, chances to watch him, you know, just right next to the track. And I'm kind of looking for holes in his game. And really the only thing I can come to is, you know, he likes to be aggressive with guys and that can end up biting you. And if you are familiar with any of my work, you, you know, this is a consistent take for me, is that if you can, you know, are going to live by the sword, Sometimes you're going to die by the sword and maybe die by the sword is a, is a little bit strong, but you can't continue to ride really aggressively and it not come back to ever haunt you. That just, that doesn't happen, right? There, there are too many opportunities by too many riders that if, if they're looking for payback, they're going to get their opportunity. And that's my only objection with how Hunter has gone about his series is that at times I felt like he could have maybe not caused other riders to go down. And he chose to get you know go for a really strong move that left someone on the ground, so if you're Nate Thrasher or if you get a chance to you know try to take Hunter out, are you going to take it and I would say that the chances are pretty high, you know mostman probably owes him one from Tampa as well, and there are other guys too, like as he's come through the pack over the last year, he's done so aggressively and made contact, and guys have ended up on the ground, and that stuff usually you know, those uh, chickens come home to roost eventually. Um, Now, is it going to be something that bites him championship wise? I don't know. You know, maybe not. Maybe it's not something that will affect this particular championship. I just know from decades of experience in this sport, if you do things like this for long enough, you will pay a price for it. And there are endless examples of it. Endless. From Damon Bradshaw in the 90s. Look at his 92 championship. If he doesn't feel the need to go after Jeff Matasevich time and time again, he's your 1992 champion. There's no question about it. Um, Vince Friese, his whole career, he's been in been in chaos, and he got, he got beaten up for it at Anaheim one year. Um, you just look through time, and if guys go after guys, make contact, and go for the takeout enough times, you're going to pay a price for it. And the price can be really high, or maybe it just doesn't matter. Maybe it's a one-off thing, and yeah, that sucked, and we'll move on. Um, but when you 're a guy like Hunter and you have a championship on the line if it 's me i don 't want anybody to have a reason to try to take me out. I want to be the most liked racer on the track. I want to have friends I want to you know if i 'm doing really well, I want everybody to have, be happy for me and i 'll give you an example of somebody like that and we 're going to talk about him later, but that 's Ken Roxon you don 't ever see Kenny trying to take people out, and you don 't see people trying to take Kenny out. You know if you want to talk about Barsha, Barsha tries to take everybody out so He's, uh, he's a different example, but Kenny doesn't really have enemies on the racetrack. He doesn't ride in a way that he creates enemies. And I, I would say Eli Tomac's exactly the same way. Those are examples of guys that if they make passes, they make them clean, and they don't leave a wake where someone's looking for payback. And that, I, I think, over the course of a career, that pays dividends. That approach pays dividends. So we'll see. Um, it's a really long-winded take on hunter but that's really my only concern everything else is has been fantastic and he won again this weekend so good job to him nate Drasher mentioned him briefly but you know he's been great too he just wasn't quite fast enough uh i think this season has been strong enough that it's going to get him a really good contract moving forward i don't even know if he's up this year maybe he's signed again but i think he is making himself a lot of money because he looks like he's going to be an incumbent. I think, I keep hearing now, more recently, that Hunter's going to move up to the 450 class and fill the role that Colt Nichols is in. So it would be Jett and Hunter on the 450 next year. Now, I didn't think that was going to happen. I thought Hunter would be on the 250 again. But it sounds like Honda's just going to move him up and have the two Lawrence brothers as their 450 guys next year. That's a pretty interesting dynamic and a pretty interesting development. Because I was, I've was i been thinking about who they would sign to be alongside Uh, Jet in that truck for quite a while. And I guess it makes a lot of sense if they just, if they think Hunter's going to be good enough, which it looks like he is, that's probably a big factor here is that Hunter has developed so much that they don't need to go look for anybody. They have, they already have their guy in their truck as it is. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. But I have heard from people who would know that he's going to end up on the 450. Jordan Smith, the last rider I'll mention in the 250 class. Um, you know, he was he was good. He didn't throw it away and that, I think that's the big thing that he needs to continue to do. If you if a podium's in your sight, great. If you can win, go for it, but if you can't, don't sacrifice your entire race because a win's not in the cards that night. You know, that's that's how you win championships. That's how you become a force in this 250 class and that's how you get yourself a, a 450 ride is you figure out how to be there week in and week out. You get the consistency done and you become a guy that's there week in and week out and a a guy that teams can count on. And that's probably the best way to put it. These 450 teams want reliability because the best form of ability is availability. That, That becomes above all else. And yes, don't get me wrong. They want guys that can go really fast. There's no question about that. If you're not fast, you're not getting a 450 ride, period. But if you're not around and you can only race a couple of races a year, you're always gonna be on the bubble. And unless you're some uber talent like Cincerillo, good luck sticking around because they're just not gonna continue to give you a deal. Like that's just not how it's gonna go. There are exceptions to the rule, I know, there always are. But over time, if you prove that you can't stay healthy or you can't stay upright, you're going to end up on a, a second tier team or, you know, looking for a ride. That's just what typically happens. So I, I like to see Jordan be willing to settle if he has to. I'm not saying you should always settle. That That's not the right way either. But sometimes you need to be willing to settle if a third is all that's there to take. Just take the third and move on. Third is still really, really good. Um, and he was willing to do that this weekend. I lied about the last ride I was going to mention. I do have J-Mart in my notes. Now, you're going to laugh because I'm going to say that was his best ride of the year. But I think it was. You know, he won that race at the Triple Crown at Arlington. But it was more like through attrition. I didn't think he was, like, riding exceptionally well that night. He just didn't crash when everybody else kind of handed the win to him. And don't go crazy when I say handed the win. I I get it. He was still riding well enough to to get it done. But it wasn't like he moved through the pack and passed everybody or was the fastest guy or any of any of those, really. He was just right place, right time, and was opportunistic. This race at Indy, he moved forward. He passed Deegan. He, he was passing riders. And honestly, every race this year that I've kind of been watching him, he's been moving backwards. You know, Houston, he was moving forwards till he crashed. But the other races, he's been kind of getting pushed backwards by guys he should be beating, in my opinion. Deegan notably, probably the the first name I would mention. And he passed Deegan straight up this week and was able to pull away. So good job to Jmart. I'm sure it was uh a little bit encouraging. I'm sure he wants to be on the podium, but you just want to be making progress. You want to be working towards a goal and not having setbacks. So good job, uh good job for Jmart there. Now the four fifty class, we do the power rankings on this show every week. And, you know, I always give this kind of disclaimer for those of you who listen every week, you already know this, but I take into account, you know, a little bit of last season, a lot of this season. uh, Trends, right? If they're trending up, trending down. And then, of course, the most recent result we have, too. So I feel like the back end of the power rankings are pretty easy. And the very top is pretty easy. But the middle gets really dicey for me. Um, If you wanted to move some of these guys around, pardon my sniffle there. Uh, if you wanted to move some of these guys around, I could probably go along with it, but I have to place them somewhere, and I shuffle them up and down and back and forth, and then I kind of just end up on what I think seems right. So don't lose your mind on me if you don't agree with these. I-, I am very much aware that some of these are six in one, half a dozen the other. Like you could really move them around, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't push back too much. Now I'm going to try to justify them to you on why I have them there, Um, but I I get it that some of it's really, really tight. So number 10, I have Dean Wilson and, you know, Dean, I don't think, I don't think he's been in the power rankings all year. This might be his first one. Uh, I, I don't have my notes here, but, um, if he has been, that's my mistake, but he's been right on the border. He's been in the honorable mentions of this power ranking list, but with the injuries, with the guys that are out, I think he probably should be here now. You know, this wasn't his best race. He actually looked terrible, crashed, almost had a huge one over the finish line. But he's still, he's still here. You know, he's still putting in top 12 results week after week, and he's slowly moving up the points because he is just, he's just logging the laps. He's doing all the races. So I have Dino at 10. He's battling through, you know, a knee injury, and his body is just beat to hell. Um, but he's still out there. Still getting it done. Number nine, I have Adam Torillo who makes his return to the power rankings after missing the previous two races. And this was Adam's best race of the year. And to his own admission, he wasn't really sure how he did it. You know, he hadn't ridden a lot. Uh, he hurt his wrist on press day at Arlington and, and took a lot of time off since then. I, wait, you know, 10 days or whatever, 12 days. But um, this was a good ride. You know, he barely, barely hung on to sixth. Over Christian Craig, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. He still gets a sixth, and uh, my fantasy team thanks him. He looked really good at the beginning of the race. You know, his typical early laps. You know, very aggressive, very fast. Um, but I was I was happy to see him be able to hang in there and uh, and get a sixth. Just ahead of him is just is the rider who finished just behind him, and that's Christian Craig. and, and Christian gets the nod because he's been at every race, and while his results haven't been over the top. They have been steadily improving. He gets a seventh this weekend. And if you look at his races at the beginning of the year to his races now, he's better. And that's a really important thing. You know, as the season grows, you want to be improving. And not everybody can do that. A lot of guys go backwards. They they have nagging injuries. They get worn down. They get sick. Um, There's just a lot of things that can happen over months and months and months of continuous racing and travel. Um, I don't know that many people can relate to it unless you've done it and just had to constantly get up, train, get on an airplane, go race, get up again at five in the morning, go to the airport, fly home, train all week. And it's just this rinse and repeat cycle that really takes it out of you if you don't know how to find the proper recovery. If you if you don't have any experience or the right people in your corner, making sure you rest, making sure your body's getting back somewhat to recovered before you just go beat yourself up again you will feel it. You you, you know, it's going to take a toll on you and your performances are are going to decline. Uh, So I like to see Christian getting a little better here in his first 450 Supercross season. At number seven, I have Aaron Plessinger. And this is where it starts to get dicey because you're going to say, but why he got fourth and he's been really good. And you're right. You're right. He has been really good lately. And I don't really have a great reason for him being seven other than. The guys in front of him were really good this weekend. And then everybody else in front of him has been in front of him all year. So I don't know. I don't know what the hell else to do because if I have him at seven, you'll see why, right? He just, this weekend was the decider. And I hate being victim of the moment. I hate having recency bias, but I felt like it was warranted in this scenario. So not that he would ever care, but I'm sorry, AP, you probably don't deserve to be seven, but in this scenario, you're, It's just where you had to end up. Number six, I have Justin Barsha. And this is where I start to say like Barsha was so good this weekend and he was really good at Daytona better than this fourth place results showed. So how can I not reward that? How can I put him behind Aaron Plessinger? You know, I, I feel bad having him at six, but you know, he, he's had a couple tough results in there here and there. He crashed out of third at Arlington. um, And, he got beat by Ken Roxon, who was at number five. So, like, you see my dilemma. You see how challenging this gets because you could say, well, Roxon's had a ton of bad races. You're right, but he just won. He won Indy. So what do I do with that? Do I just throw out all these other iffy races? Do I say, you know what? He won, but he did terrible at Oakland. Okay. All right. I, you know, I, I can go along with that. It just gets really tough. To place these guys in there. And this is probably the most agonized I've been over these picks, is that because I can argue so well for moving these guys around and I I don't know what else to do with them. So I have Barsha six, I have Roxon five, and I don't feel good or bad about it. I just felt like that's where they needed to land based off of what Indy showed. If Barsha had passed Roxon and one, he immediately goes to five no question about it like it's not even it's not even close and i would even consider I, i'm not doing it for sure but i would consider thinking about putting him at 4 i would i would consider thinking about it how about that i'll be as vague as possible that's about as much waffling as one human can do it's consider thinking about putting him at 4 but he didn't get roxson so he stays at 6 roxson 5 as i mentioned what a great race for him uh you know i there were so many doubters including me he had been so all over the place with his motorcycle, changing suspension companies, changing technicians, changing the bike every time he goes out. I mean, it had just been a mess, for lack of a better word. And this weekend, he finds a way to get it done. So kudos to him. I'm sure it had to feel amazing. You could see the emotion on his face and his team that have been working so hard to to make him happy. It, you know, it's really hard when you are these mechanics and technicians and Larry Brooks, the team manager. And all you want is for your rider to be happy with the bike. That's it, right? That's all you can control or try to control is if he's happy with the bike, he just has to go perform past that, right? You give him all the tools to succeed and then let him go do his thing. Well, when he is unhappy and every time he comes in, he's complaining. You can see the look on his face. He just wants to change everything. It's just endless testing, long days, long nights. And that's what these guys are going through. They're working around the clock. Because all this testing is a ton of work. Forget about the race bike and all the things that go on the weekend. These mechanics now get double and triple the work because testing should really be done by now for the most part. Like maybe a little bit of testing during the week here and there, but not full-on multi-day test sessions. Like that's that's typically done by now. And that's where that team has been. They've just been in the in the throes of it for weeks. So this had to be a really nice payoff for them and just a very emotional win. So congrats to them. Number four, I have Jason Anderson and it was kind of a quiet night, right? Like not terrible. You know, I I don't think there's anything to really complain about from him, but it wasn't any type of race where I want to move him up. Right? Like I don't want to move him forward. I still have him as winning a race this year. You know, that's, that is a topic that is, the chatter is rising. Is he going to get it done? Because we're past halfway. You know, I I don't know where it's, he's won. He has won Detroit before. I believe when, uh, well, however you want to look at it, the whole Ryan Dungey thing at Detroit a few years ago, it's, it's a race he could do well at. Let's put it there. Um, we've seen him have controversy there too, but I think it's a, a track he can ride really well at. But these other ones, some of these other ones, Atlanta, he did win. So, you know, I guess I have to eat crow on that. But he does have great chances down the line. And that's what I was kind of pointing to in these shows. Glendale should be a great round for him. Somewhat of a home race. The dirt will be very conducive to what he does well. So look for him to be great there. Atlanta, he won last year. New Jersey, eh. I don't don't know about that one, right? That one feels more like a Cooper Webb, Barsha. Tomac Sexton type race to me. Now I could be wrong. Maybe he just, you know, throws that all out the window and gets it done, but I don't feel like New Jersey's going to be the one, but we have Denver and Salt Lake also on the schedule. And he will be great. He'll be great at both of those, right? So he has a lot of opportunity left. And if he doesn't get a win this year, it's going to be a real letdown for, for him and the team. He won seven races last year. And if he doesn't get one this year in a contract year, I'm not saying that's going to not get him a deal, but it could definitely hurt his value. You know, just throwing round numbers out there. Let's say he's a $1 million guy, maybe even more. I think last year, if he was up in his contract, he would have been more. He would have been like one, five. I'm just guessing. Okay. I'm not negotiating this, but anybody that wins seven races in a year is going to have a lot of leverage. If you go through the whole Supercross season and don't win a race, your leverage just got kicked in the junk. For lack of a better term. So, yes, they're gonna to want to sign him, but he can't go in there demanding top dollar anymore. He's it's gonna be a battle on who thinks they have the leverage in the deal. And he's gonna still get paid a lot. Don't get me wrong. It's just not gonna be the number that it was. And that that stuff matters, man. These guys are racing for a living, and this ideally is really the the last big payments they're ever gonna get. You know, if they do it right, they don't have to really worry about working anymore so these times these contract years are hyper critical for their financial future and so this matters you know him getting a win or two down the stretch absolutely matters is it going to matter about him getting a ride no but it does matter it can be several hundred thousand of dollars per year that is a difference i'm talking like three four five hundred thousand dollars or more per year that could be the difference in him winning or not that's my take on it number three chase sexton oh like what what do you even say at this point man like a few laps in you're like yeah sexton's gonna win this like look how fast he's going he's catching rocks and like nobody's business and he's gonna pass him and check out and then i look up and he's on the ground i literally looked down at the lap times and i looked up and he was on the ground and this is not a new occurrence for sexton this is what He's shown us time and time again this season. And I, and don't get me wrong. I am a huge Chase Sexton fan. The way he can ride a bike blows my mind. And I think he's a really nice guy. I have been wowed by his maturity this year in the face of every disappointment he could face. I, I He's made a fan out of me. And I, I'm supposed to be neutral or whatever. But I, I'm, I still love the sport, right? And I like guys and I'm neutral towards others. I don't really dislike any of them. But I, I really do like Chase Sexton, and I'm pulling for him. But, man, he is making life hard on himself here uh, and goes down again. His worst result of the season uh, was this weekend. And you you had to know one of these crashes was going to bite him, right? He had been able to overcome most of them and get back into the top three, top five. Uh, but this one, this one bit him a little bit. Now, the silver lining is he's only 13 points down. He went into the race down 10, and he leaves down 13. So it could have been a lot worse. You know the the players moved around. He was only a few down. I think it was four down on uh, five down. I don't know. Maybe five down on Web. Now he's thirteen down on Web. Um, but if you just are trying to take a thirty thousand foot view and say, okay, what good can we take from this? I'm only you're only down thirteen points. It's still very very doable. You're gonna have to win some races, no question. But it's still doable. Number two. Cooper Webb, your new points leader, will have the red plate at Detroit. And, you know, I got asked on Breakdown this week if getting the red plate was a huge kind of moral, mental um, boost to Webb. And, and I I think the, the expected answer is yes, but I don't necessarily think so. Uh, I think Webb is happy to have the red plate. Like, sure, that feels good. But... I think he's smart enough to know that this is gonna go all the way down to the end. This is gonna be a battle the whole way with Eli Tomac. And and Tomac's gonna to have good races too. You look at some of these tracks, he's gonna be he's gonna be awesome. Like to think he's not gonna be good at Atlanta, to think he's not gonna be good at Glendale, which he's always fantastic there. Denver's his home race, Salt Lake, he's been phenomenal. So he's you know, basically every race down the stretch, he should be strong. Some of his Seattle rides in the past were just Insane, right? So I think Webb understands that, and he's not getting ahead of himself. So kind of a I had to think about it and really kind of unpack it a little bit. I think Webb's like, yeah, this is cool, but nothing we're, like we're so far from anything being accomplished here because I'm gonna have to fight Tomac the whole way. Like he's gonna have weekends where I'm probably just not as fast as he is, and I'm gonna have to deal with that. And then I'm going to have to be opportunistic on the weekends where he's not very good. Like this was his worst race of the year. Indy was terrible and he's usually good at Indy. So in those nights, if you're Cooper Webb, you know you have to make up as many points as possible. So I think that was where my my thoughts ended up was, yes, he's happy to get the red plate. But I think he also realizes in that moment when Barsha and Roxon, who really haven't been on his level for most of the year, in front of him you've got to go win that race you have to make the most of that opportunity and and just maximize the gains and i think that's why webb what it was a little bittersweet for him on the podium is because there was good to be taken away from it but he didn't make the most of it and ricky carmichael is huge on this point is when you have an opportunity you've got to take every ounce of that opportunity you cannot leave points on the table if they're there for the taking so that's where I think um, a little bit of the if he didn't wasn't overwhelmingly excited about the red plate. I think that's probably why. Number one, Eli Tomac stays at the top even though he lost the red plate. But he is your defending champion. He's the defending motocross champion. He's had the red plate the entire way. He's already won five races. Um, I know this weekend was terrible. I, I get it. He looked awful at Indy, but. I'm not going to move him out of first place just because he lost the points lead by a couple points. Not going to do it. If he gets beat badly again this weekend, I'll consider it. I will consider thinking about it. How about that? Um, I don't know. It just depends on what Tomac shows me. Every time we've questioned him this year, he's bounced back. You look at Houston, when he, when he got questioned, he bounced back. You look at Tampa when he rode awful, awfully, awfully. Uh, he showed up at Oakland and got the job done. So he has done a great job of silencing the naysayers when he needs to most, and I think he really needs to in Detroit. I think it it, it is going to take. Uh, I say it. I was going to say it's going to take a Herculean effort. I don't know if that's true. I just think he needs to ride like himself. He just needs to get back to doing what he does. Go do Tomac things, and he'll be just fine. Uh, but I'm going to keep him at number one for this week anyway. I do have a few honorable mentions. Uh, Justin Hill got a ninth this past weekend, and he has been really good. You know, he took two years off. That is an, that is an eternity in this sport. I mean, he went got another profession. He was a police officer. And now he's back out there being in, inside the top 10 in this, uh, in this 450 class. So kudos to Justin Hill. Um, you know, he does things his own way. He definitely marches to the beat of his own drum. But, uh, yeah, he's riding really, really well, and he is a welcome addition back to the sport. I have Josh Hill, his brother, and yeah, Josh hasn't been quite as good as his brother, but that's okay. You know, Josh is pretty old now. He's gone through hell and back as far as injuries go, and I think he's overperforming everybody's expectation. So good job to both of the Hill brothers. Um, yeah, they're, they're main event guys, top 15 guys at this point of the series. And last but not least, I have to mention this. Freddie Noren, oh, dear God, was that LCQ. The heat race in the LCQ took a lot of time off my life the heat race I was beside myself angry with this dude. I said some some really inappropriate things under my breath to and about Freddie Norn and uh, I just like how many times are you gonna fall over when you're in qualifying position like you I've been in that spot so many times I don't even know how many times like a hundred I don't know and you cannot fall you can't fall at all costs. if you get past, okay I get it like things happen. But you falling all by yourself when you're in qualifying position is a huge no-no. Like, you cannot be your own worst enemy. Just can't happen. The sport's too hard. The other guys are too good to take yourself out of the running. And I just, that was the second time he's done it this year when he's been on my fantasy team. And I just couldn't take it. I could not take it. But to his credit, he got it done in the LCQ. Scared the hell out of me several times because he is loose. God, he's loose. But yeah. He got it done. Good job. And uh, all that matters is he got me a ton of fantasy points. So uh, I don't know if I'll be picking him anymore this year. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. But um, yeah, he got it done. So good job to Freddie, even though I said horrific things about you uh, to myself. So that's it for this week. Thank you again to all the sponsors. Pirelli, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Works Connection, ProGlo, International BetMX Series, which I did check while, while I was talking. And it is oldtimersmx.com. So check out the website there for all of the race details. That's oldtimersmx.com. Go to tlspeedshop.com. Check out uh, the programs they have. You can go on a side-by-side to some exotic locales. Uh, Jason and the crew at TL TlSpeedShop. Fast Foundry, if I didn't mention them. Thank you to Robert for being a part of this and a great supporter of me and many privateers. If you didn't know that about Fast Foundry, they support a ton of privateers out there. That's reason enough to give them your business right there uh, fast found is just a great company and great people. Grant stone boots. Thank you for my new sneakers. You can go to Grantstoneshoes.com and check out those brand new sneakers. They come in four different colors and fire racing. Thank you to them. Did I mention proglo proglo, of course, too, uh, and fire racing. Thank you. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you. we will talk to you soon after Detroit. See ya.